You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today, I have a very special guest, Nick Tortorici, who is here again. If you don't remember, he was here. We did an episode on prayer, uh, and we'll put that in the link right now. You can link on that. But um, he's here again today, and we're going to talk about uh, how to be a Christian in the workplace and in terms of evangelism, in terms of discipleship. Because actually, Nick and I, we used to do, well, I was a production designer, as you guys know, and Nick was too. He still kind of is. So we actually do, we did the exact same job, which is kind of amazing, right? Bizarre, like the odds of that. Yeah. We were talking about that before the show, how, what are the odds we would meet at a church and have the same vocation and like have the same passion to see people saved and disciple and all that kind of stuff is just really Really cool. Yeah. And now, as you guys, I don't know if we mentioned this on the last show, but Nick is now a pastor at Reality Carpenteria. Mm-hmm. So he's moved from Reality LA to Reality Carpenteria, which is a bummer for us, for <laughs> me, but uh, it's not a bummer for them. But uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. I mean, um, you know, how long had, did you, how long have you worked in the business in Hollywood in production design? Okay, first of all, I'm going to give away my age. <laughs> You're like, since the You're age. Like, oh, they're all saying, well, wait, we watched the thing on prayer and you had dark hair. <laughs> so we know that you didn't age that quickly. But um, no, I, I've probably been doing um, set design, production design stuff since like the mid 90s. Wow. Yeah. That's a long time. It is a long time. And so, yeah, we, we both have been in the trenches of that world. And it's just, it's a fascinating place to be as a Christian because you come in contact because every job is, is so different and you, Mm -hmm. it's a different group of people. So you get, you get exposed to so many different people in the workplace Mm -hmm. and you get this opportunity to not only evangelize, but disciple people. And so it's just a, it was for me. Because, you know, I was doing production design, obviously, before I got saved. And right after I got saved, as I say all the time, like, I was a I was a madman on the set. I just was like, <laughs> I would just tell everyone about Jesus and the gospel. And um, I always thought, you know, this is my last job. I'm gonna, they're never going to hire me back. <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, I was wild. And um, I would tell any and everyone in earshot about the gospel and about my story and and a lot of people, you know, some people took it well. Some people were just kind of like freaked out about it. Mm. But um, you have this term, uh, what is it? Vocational influence. What do you, what is that? What do you mean by that? <clears throat> I think vocational influence is, well, I, I've never like written a definition of it, but I think it encapsulates all the things that we do in our professions or vocations um, that have to do with um, three different things, discipleship, beauty, and then loving other people. Mm-hmm. So, and, and those things all kind of counteract and work, you know, because 
when you think about discipleship, like what does that look like in the workplace? And it was really hard for me to wrap my head around that. And then the idea of um, reflecting God's beauty in the things that we're creating, because all of us are creating something, whether you're an accountant, like doing accounting, accounting beautifully is amazing. Yeah. Right. Like people can appreciate that. They need that. Um, in our case, we were creating um, atmospheres. Yeah. Right. Visual, of things. visual yeah. things of beauty. Um, but everybody else, you know, everyone in the world, I mean, even if you're, I don't know, just the simplest job, like if you're a sanitation engineer, like you are cleaning things and you're making them beautiful. Um, and then the last thing, love. And I think that love encapsulates um, evangelism, just loving people in general, yeah. showing them the love of Christ. Sometimes when they don't deserve it and they know that and you're, you know, you decide that you're going to be the person that shows them that kind of love, even in a place that's difficult, which we have all come across, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, tell us how you thought about discipleship and cause you were telling me yeah. before about Tim Chaddock, you yeah. know, telling you about, you know, disciple three people, but what, tell, like tell that story. Okay. So when we first started reality LA, um, Tim asked me to be a pastor and I was like, why you want me to be a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> so for those pastors out there, um, you're not the only one that thinks like that. Uh, and, and I said, okay, well, I have no, I don't know where to start. Like, what do you, what do I do? And he said, well, why don't you just start by discipling three people? I said, oh, okay, I can do that. And then I quickly found out I couldn't do that because I have a family. I'm working 12 hour days. I'm, you know, volunteering at the church because I was a lay pastor. I wasn't yeah. on staff. Um, and between those three things, I had no time. So I was trying at first to meet up with people and have coffees. And I just found myself running ragged. And I, I, I just, I couldn't get my head wrapped around. Okay, what, what do I do? Um, and then one day, um, Tim brought to my mind, somebody that needed a job. And I said, okay, well, we'll try. Right. So I had this guy come on set with me. I explained to him, you know, cause there is an etiquette to being on set, right? Yeah. Yes. You guys probably don't understand that, but there is like, there is certain things that you do and don't do just yeah. like any other job. Um, and, and he, he fit in fine, you know, and, but what I realized really quickly was it wasn't about the job. It was because I was teaching and training him a vocation. But the cool thing about it was, is I quickly learned I'm discipling this guy. Right. So it turned into something that I never thought. And then God gave me this um, epiphany where I was like, oh, I can disciple guys if I hire them then I don't have to double time. And this guy was a Christian already. Yes, already Christian. So it wasn't, um, I wasn't trying to use it as an evangelistic thing, but I, yeah. but God did use that in my life where I would hire. So I purposely hired believers and unbelievers on my crew. And the reason why I did that is because I could disciple the believers and we could witness to the non-believers. And then <laughs> at the same time, we're having like a, a double two and one. Well, yeah, yeah. And we're always having these conversations on set that become theological or philosophical about Jesus, about God. 
And then other guys in the crew would come over and go, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. And then that would open a conversation and you'd be able to evangelize. It was just kind of circular, but really cool. Yeah. So um, that turned into my way of discipling guys was um, I started hiring all these young guys at Reality LA that were new to the city. Like some of them had an idea that they wanted to be in the business. Some of them never even thought about it. Some of them had no experience. Zero. (laughs) <laughs> like zero. By the way, that's really hard to uh, do. Let me tell you, I worked twice as hard. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot I was, of work. I was hiring all these people that didn't know what they were doing. So I'm doing all the work essentially, but you're like training them and the, but you're in the, you yeah. end up doing the work. Yeah. And then I started learning Beckett's way, which is hiring good people. And I just get <laughs> <laughs> No, they were good people. It was just, there was a purpose behind it. And the purpose yeah. was that, I would be able to show them what it looked like to be a Christian in any capacity in life in the workplace. Yeah. And that was, that was really beautiful. And so tell, tell us, tell us a story. Let's start off with one. You tell a story because, and then I'm going to tell a story, but okay, tell a story true. about dis, uh, discipleship or evangelism in the workplace. Okay. Um, Besides so, the first guy you were talking about. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's one guy in particular that, um, that I worked with that came from real estate background. Like he, what did he do? I think he wrote loans. So he was a loan officer. He okay. moved her from to Los Angeles from Ohio. So he has no context of Hollywood, nothing. Um, and, but I noticed that he was very creative. So I started hiring him and I started realizing really quickly that he was talented. Um, his name's Christian Snell. Um, he's now a production designer. Yeah, he worked with me for, and he's yeah. great. He was uh, yeah, Beck but you already Beckett stole my guys. Stole, like, <laughs> we would steal each other's guys. We would. I stole Beckett's too. <laughs> but yeah, you trained him so well, and then when he worked with me, I was like, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, and then everybody else stole my guys too. But that was great. They no one stole anyone. They all had more opportunities to work, and we loved that because they have to make a living, and you're in Los Angeles. It's expensive. So I love the fact that. They could work with you and me and other guys. And yeah. it was great. Um, but Christian, um, I really realized quickly was really talented. And like I said, he is now a production designer. He's doing films. He's actually working on a film right now about um, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. Oh, that's right. Which yeah. is really cool. Okay, this is a great story. So I want to say eight years or so ago, I did the biggest campaign that Duck Dynasty did on TV, right? So they hired me to do it. With, um, what do you mean by campaign? So, so it's an advertising campaign. I'm sorry. So it was their, their whole advertising campaign. It was motion for, for their, um, advertising on TV. And it was also print ad. It was all these things all together. And they rented. So the guys in Duck Dynasty live in Louisiana. They live in Monroe. It's, oh, it's in the middle okay. of nowhere. It's yeah. like literally as Midwest as it gets, right? But actually it's south. So. Um, there's nothing there. So you have to bring everything in. Yeah. And we shot at the Monroe convention center, which was bizarre. Cause like you're in this huge convention. It reminded me of the LA sports arena. It was like the same size, everything. So we had all these sets. I had them shipped. It, they were trucked there. Um, and we did the shoot and it, it was, it was great. It was successful. It was really fun. I got to meet Phil. And the thing that was so great about Phil, talk about vocational evangelism. So, Phil Robertson, for those of you that don't know him, was on this show called Duck Dynasty because he invented a duck call. 
This is how he got, this is how this whole thing started. And he invented the duck call, but he patented it. And it is um, a specific, it, it can do specific things. So he realized really quickly that it, you can't just blow on it and get the duck call. It's actually like an instrument. So it's like a reed or a woodwind. You have to know how to do it. So he was like, how am I going to do this? Okay. So I think I'll go on tour and I'll go from city to city and I'll tell people how to use the duck call. It was really funny too, aside of this. And so I said, Hey, um, Phil, where can I get one of these duck calls? He's like, give me 20 bucks. I'll give you one. <laughs> Cause he owns a patent on all the duck calls. So he would go across the U S and he would teach people how to use the duck call specific ways of, you know, using it instrumentally to get the sounds you wanted to draw the ducks when you're hunting. Right. So he said, God spoke to him and said, Phil, when you do this, I want you to preach the gospel every time. And I was like, what? And he's, he said, Nick, this is the crazy part. God protected me through the whole thing every single time. I kept thinking, oh, man, people are going to come against me. I'm going to have all these things happen. He said, I had so much favor because and that's like part of your story, right? Yeah. He said, I had so much favor in that we would go to these cities, I would talk about the duck call, but but before I did the duck call, I would give like a little, I don't know if it was a devotional or a Bible study, like little Bible study kind of thing. And then I would teach people how to use the duck call. So if you want to learn how to use the duck call, you have to listen. It's kind of like Salvation Army. If you want food, you got to hear the message. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's selling duck calls. So great. We had a great time. Well, I just talked to Christian two days ago. Um, and he said, oh, you won't believe it, Nick. I'm doing this film about Phil Robertson's life. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? We did that. Remember was he on the thing? With he you? was on it. With oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So he said, yeah, I came up to Phil and I was like, hey, Phil, do you remember we did your campaign with Art Striver and Nick Tortorici? And, um, and, you know, we met that time and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. And like full circle. So. It was, it, I just think it's fascinating how God weaves our lives together. But Christian now is, um, you know, and this is the other thing is I was able to, um, God gave me the wisdom through years and years of doing this. And you know how much temptation and like in the industry, there are so many pitfalls, like every industry that you can fall into. Yeah. And like I had set really high standards and parameters for myself because I know that I'm not, I'm beyond temptation. Mm -hmm. um, so I trained all my guys, like, this is what you're going to be up against. So, you know, you're going to be up against all these things. You're going to be up against making your identity, the things that you're creating in beauty. Like, oh, I'm a production designer, you know? Yeah. And also just the temptation of people on the set, like, especially Absolutely. in my, because I was doing so many fashion shoots and yeah. it was just like models everywhere and like crazy, you know? And so, yeah, there's a lot of temptation. Especially for when I had the guys on my set, mm -hmm. I mean, there would be these insanely beautiful models. And I was like, uh oh, shut your eyes, guys. Shut your eyes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I literally would have to walk off set for a lot of those shit. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I would always pray about these, these jobs, you know, and the people that I would have on my crew. Like I, I specifically strategically would ask God, to give me the wisdom of who's even supposed to be on this particular job, because there's a chemistry and like God has certain things that he's going to do on these jobs where there's going to be evangelist, the evangelistic opportunity, or 
there's going to be um, some conversation that sparks up that you share something of your life, mm-hmm. you know, of yeah. your testimony and people are drawn into that story because it's yours and it's real. So even if, and it wasn't always like, you know, you're bringing up some scripture verse to people or whatever. It was usually just common everyday life, things that happened to us that people were interested in because they wanted to know, like, how, how do you live this life? Like, yeah. how do you be a Christian and do this job? Yeah. So and I, 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 I remember <clears throat> it was so kind of simple to even bring up my faith on the job because people would say, Oh, Beckett, how was your weekend? Like, what did you do this weekend? Right. This was after I got saved, obviously. And I'd be like, Oh, I went, I had an amazing weekend. I went to church, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I served yeah. and, uh, and yeah. they would be like, what? And so that would start the conversation that would open yeah. the door. Uh, so there was there. So there's one time, I think I, I may have talked about this in my book. I don't know, but it was an Ugg shoot oh. in Malibu. And I was working with, uh, it was Christian actually on that shoot. Christian and Teddy. <laughs> Is that funny? So I had two, both of my assistants were on that shoot were Christians. One was named Christian. <laughs> and, um, and so we, the first shoot for UGG, what, it was a week long. The, the, the shoots back then were like a week long. Yeah. Yeah, they would really take their time. Those campaigns. Yeah. Those campaigns. It was ad campaigns for them, like UGG boots. And so, the first shoot, it was in Malibu. And, you know, and I'm sure you did this too, but Christian and Christian and Teddy and I, we would, you know, we would pray on the set. Absolutely. Before the yeah. shoot started, we would like gather around Absolutely. and we would pray and people would kind of see us. And it was always kind of like, are people watching us? It was a little awkward, but not really. And so, uh, but isn't that great that that's part of the testimony? Like, People are like, oh, they pray. Yeah. So then, so then, like a couple months later, I don't know how long later, I got hired again on an UGG shoot. The same people, and the direct, the agency director, mm-hmm. uh, Trey, this woman named Tracy, she she is the one who hired me. Uh, she was the she was the head of the agency who did all the campaign work for UGG. And so on the second shoot, she had seen us kind of, she heard us talking about God and the Lord and stuff during the shoot the first time. So on the second shoot, she, she was very aware that I was a Christian. She, in fact, on the first shoot, I think on like on the fourth day we were at lunch and, and we said something about God or something. And she's like, and she's hilarious. Like she's a Jewish woman and she's, she's like, is everyone on the set Christian or something? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, we're Christians and blah, blah, blah. And, I, and then yeah, that opened the door. And I, I think I ended up maybe that time, you know, telling, yeah, I think I told her my whole story on that, that first shoot. Wow. And I, again, I thought, you know, I'm never going to get hired again, yeah. but she hired me again and again and again, like for years. But on the second shoot, a few months later, it was again, it was another shoot in Malibu. And, it was the funniest moment. It, she, because uh, by that time I was really friendly with all the people from UGG and from the, yeah. the photographer and her and a bunch of people. And so she said uh, the light was, go- it was, it was like the fourth or fifth day of the shoot. And we wanted to get this one last shot. And she said, Oh, the light's going down. We've got to get the shot. And then she, she said it would be a sin if we didn't get the shot. 
<laughs> and she's like, oh, Beckett, you know all about Sid, don't you? And I said, and it was hilarious because I was like, actually, I do. And, um, and then when I said that, because everyone on the set heard that. Yeah. And suddenly, uh, every, it was crazy. It was like me on one end of the, the room and everyone else on the other end. And they all turned to me. This whole line wow. of people turned to me. And I said, and I was, I did it in, <laughs> in fun, but I mean, I did it in, you know, with humor, but I was like, right now, all of you people are dead in your trespasses <laughs> and sins, but I'm alive in Christ. And this is why. And then I explained the gospel. Here's the good news. Yeah. And I told him the good news. And I, I so when I did this whole spiel. And when I finished the, the woman from UG, uh, the, the, uh, from the, for the company, she was like, uh, I'm going to go get a coffee now. <laughs> but it was so funny. And then everyone was awesome. kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. And what's, and what's fascinating about that is they continue to hire me for years and years yeah. after that, even though I was like, so just vocal about, and I literally said they were dead in their trespasses and <laughs> and they kept hiring me. So you never know, like, that's the thing. Like you never know on a set if someone's going to receive it or like get really angry. Yeah. Cause that's happened too. I mean, were there times on the set where, where people were freaked out by your faith or. Oh, absolutely. But I think that the, I think the biggest thing was sometimes you would know there's just spiritual warfare. Were you ever on set where you're like, Oh, there, this is not. Yeah. There's something wrong here. You know, I, that would happen to me from time to time. Um, but yeah, I, let me think of, of a particular instance um, where we shared. I think most of the time for us, it wasn't like direct evangelizing one-on-one. It was more so we would have a discussion. We would be talking about um, culture and society and then theological ideas would come in and then people would be listening Yeah, and they'd come up and they'd say, wait, w- what are you talking about? You know, and then you would share with them um, the point of view that you're coming from and how God has used these things in your life and how he changed your life and what your life looks like now and why these things that God created in in, in us um, to show the beauty of who he was were important in how they were healthy and how they made you viable and free. And people are interested in that because let's face it. There are a lot of people. I mean, we live in a time right now where freedom to most people means personal freedom. Right. It means I can do whatever I want. It's relativism. And whatever I want to do is good for me. Whatever you want to do is good for you. But then what happens to us, because we weren't created for that, we were created to um, be walking with a loving, generous, graceful God side by side in life, looking to him for wisdom and, and walking for, like boundaries too. Yeah. And, and walking in freedom with, and, and this is what I've been trying to tell a lot of the younger guys that I'm girls and guys that I'm around with is that freedom and constraint is better than absolute freedom. Yeah. Because freedom, like it's like music, right? Like if you're playing the key of C and then you decide, Oh, I'm going to go to D you can only do it for like a second. Cause if you don't, you're like, people are like, what, what just happened right now? Yeah. And it's the same thing with your personal freedom. When your freedom um, is within the constraints of how God created us, that's true freedom. Yeah. But when you create 
things that you think you're free to do, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes they end up being bondage. Oh, yeah. And it leads to like a lot of pain and harm, like in my life when I was, yeah. you know, living that life. Uh, and that's, that's what I found a lot on these, on the sets when I was evangelizing or talking to people about my story. People were hungry for the truth. Absolutely. Like people, because in this town, especially, they're just like fed up with the lies and fed up with postmodernism and not knowing what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not. And so I found for the most part, mm. people were really interested. But they don't want to talk about it. But they, don't, <laughs> they, they pretend they're not that interested, but yeah. they really are. Well, they're, they're absolutely interested, and, which is why, you know, people like Jordan Peterson are popular right now because he, he'll come out and he'll just say, oh, well, this is what you're doing. And what we try to do is veil everything behind like our personal preference or like political correctness or cultural relevance. Like those are the ways we veil mm-hmm. the things that we want to do. But when somebody just comes out and says, well, this is, is going to do this to you and it's not really good for you in this way. And you could end up in bondage in this way, then people are like, oh, wow, that's true. And it makes them be able to be self-aware and start thinking about those issues because who wants to be in bondage to stuff, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, speaking of someone who at my Eddie, who worked with me, when I first got saved, he was working with me, he was assisting me. And, you know, I was like, Eddie, Jesus is real. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like the gospel is true. It's amazing. And he would make fun. He was, he would mock me and make fun of me, but kind of in a, you know, in a sort of loving way. But he was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's crazy. And then he would say like, and then he would call me and he'd be like, how's baby Jesus? Honey? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Eddie, like, this is real. And so for the longest time, I didn't think it was penetrating. You know, I didn't yeah. think he was listening or I, I just, I thought he was just completely rejecting what I was saying. It turns out, though, 10 years later, I get a phone call from, oh, 10 years later, I was at like a wedding for my nephew mm. and Eddie was at the same wedding. Wow. And I had all this, we had two hours mm-hmm. during the day to talk. And I, we talked about, I, I kind of laid out the gospel really clearly to him. Yeah. And this was like 10 years after I had you know already told him about my story. And I mean, he knew my whole story, but what's fascinating is. Um, I asked him and then he, he, I ended up sending him a Bible and then he ended up coming to faith. And, Mm -hmm. and I asked him after he came to faith, I said, you know, what did you think of that time when I first, when I first got saved and I was like telling you about Jesus and he, he, cause I said, you, you know, you used to mock me about it. And he (laughs) said, he's like, actually, you know, secretly I was really interested, but I didn't. Wow. Say that, you know, doesn't that say a lot, you know, that we don't really know what God's doing from yeah. time to time. It, it's so true. There was um, actually on that same Duck Dynasty shoot, um, there was a lady that was on set that was um, going through some really tough times. And what, what I found is, is that when people would get in a time of crisis, the people even that mocked you, that made fun of you or whatever, they were actually listening. And when they got into a time of crisis in their life, they would come up to me and ask me questions because they're looking for the wisdom of God. It's not Nick Tortorici. It's not Beckett Cook. Like they know that you are a friend of God's 
that you love Jesus and that your life reflects that. So they want to know, how can I apply this to my life? Like, what does that look like for me? Yeah. Um, And this particular lady, I was able to pray for her. And the crazy thing is, is that the prayer, I reminded her of this a couple of years ago. It had to do with a relationship she was in. There was like, the guy was noncommittal, whatever, you know, we talked about the difference between covenant and contract and all these kind Mm -hmm. of things in, in relationships. And God like answered the prayer and, she married the guy and they have kids now. And like, wow, it was really, really cool. It was a powerful moment. But once again, it, you don't know what people are thinking. And so what we think is bad might be good. It's just that you're being convicted and conviction doesn't feel good when you're not, a, even when you're a believer, right? It doesn't always feel good. Right. <laughs> yeah. So if you're an unbeliever, like you can get kind of angsty about it, but yeah. it still can be speaking to your heart. Yeah. I had, I mean, there were, there were a couple people, actually there was this one woman who I evangelized her on the set and she was very interested and, um, it was the weirdest thing. And so after the shoot, she said, I would love to get together with you for dinner Mm. and talk more. And so we went out to dinner and, um, it kind of just went south at this mm. dinner. It was really weird. I don't know. It was like, seriously, I thought, it, I think it was like a spiritual You mean everyone doesn't get saved? <laughs> no. Well, it was like almost like a spiritual it's, attack. It's not like a good Christian film where you get saved at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it was just like this. It was weird because our conversation was so going so well. And then suddenly it took this weird turn um, because she kept talking about I don't even remember. It was like almost like she kept talking about bringing up new age kind of stuff. And mm. I was trying to like pull her back and say, no, but that's. And so she got really upset that I was saying basically her beliefs and in, in these new age things were not good or were not yeah. right. Correct. And, but I was doing it in such a, I was very gentle, but suddenly it just like turned into almost like a hostile moment. I was wow. like, Whoa, like what just happened? And, um, and so there are times where I've, I've experienced that, where, you know, you do evangelize or you do share your story or the gospel and people, people get a little, yeah, they get a little upset. Absolutely. And so it's not, it's not always smooth sailing. No, not at all. And, and what's, what's weird is, is now, I mean, what a, the bummer, because we had so much freedom being like freelance production designers, we could kind of talk about whatever didn't really matter because we were our own bosses, but yeah. And you could also never get a job. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so but, you're taking a risk. But it's like very, I think it's very difficult now for people who work for corporations. Like, yes. I think it's like probably it's like company policy. It's illegal for them to even right. evangelize in the workplace. I don't know. I don't know where, where, well, it was, but yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's a really good, um, fact. And I'm sure a lot of your viewers are thinking, yeah, that's, I can't do what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, cause I'm in a, you know, a desk somewhere in some city doing whatever my job is. Um, but I do think that when people see the light of Christ in you and they see that you, um, are, that you work, you you have excellence in what you do, that you want to portray the beauty of Jesus through the way that you are communicating your through your vocation and that they see that your life is different, that there there's an alluring factor to that, that people want to know, like, why, why are you doing, why do you live this way? And so 
it's kind of like, you know, the passage that is used for apologetics always that actually is not really the right context that apologists use it for a lot of times is that people would ask you for the reason of the hope that lies within you. Right. They would ask you, you wouldn't tell them. Right. They first ask you, then you tell them. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of apologetic circles, it's like, oh, let's get into this argument about theology or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, I don't know. Which God, can use yeah, God can use anything. Yeah, so I never discount any way of evangelism. Um, but it is interesting that you can be in a workplace now where you're you're almost um, forbidden, yeah. forbidden to do that. Yeah, it's really difficult. But you know what? You do go out to lunch. You do do certain things where you have communication with other people and you are able to have those conversations. Because if you're living as a Christian in this day and age, it's kind of like being countercultural. Yeah. Like, why are you living like this? You can do whatever you want. Why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's always good. It's, it's a, um, it's definitely a testimony. And I just was reminded because I, just like you were saying, I would pray before every shoot. I remember I would pull up to the set mm-hmm. and in my car, I would be, I would pray. And it was funny because I would, one time I pulled up. And I was praying and there were people watching me. Like I didn't know people <laughs> on the set were, were watching me. And I was like, oh, That's great. but I would pray and I would say, you know, God, please lead me to the people or the person you want me to talk to today about you. Mm. And I'm telling you, it would happen every time. And there was this, I'll give one example of this because it was so specific. And I, it was, it was a shoot at Paris Hilton's house. I did a few shoots at her house. Mm-hmm. Have you shot at her house? No, I never did. And, I worked um, with her only once. I yeah. I was on their show. And so I uh, pulled up and I was praying and I was like, God, you know, lead me to the person you want me to talk to today. Mm-hmm. And that shoot, it was, I think it was for Harper's Bazaar. Um, but it was such a chaotic shoot. Uh, and there, you know, <laughs> Paris has, you know, she has like so many dogs. She has like 10 dogs or something. And like she had, at that time she had a pig, she had a giant <laughs> pig. And so there was this one shot where we were shooting her outside by her pool and her pig fell in the pool. Like every, all of her dogs and everything and the pig were on a leash and she was supposed to be like pulling them on the leash and like <laughs> smiling at the camera. And um, what the, during that moment, her pig fell into the pool Giant, this giant pig. And my guys had to jump in the pool and like rescue the pig. It was crazy. But the whole time Paris was just kind of like, she didn't, it didn't phase her at all. She was just like, "Eh, whatever. That was the weirdest part about it. But the whole day was like that. It was super chaotic. Yeah. Super busy. There was like back to back like shoots with like, you know, now we're going to shoot her in her living room. Now we're going to shoot her upstairs in her bedroom. Now we're going to shoot her. But there was this moment in the kitchen, in her kitchen uh, I was uh, I was in the kitchen and the producer of the shoot, she was also in the kitchen at the same time. And it was just the two of us. Mm. Meanwhile, there's like madness going around us. Like in every, every other room of the house outside, there's total chaos. But God like gave us this kind of like 15 to 20 minute period. And the producer said, she said something about, being like a Catholic girl or growing up as a Catholic girl. And that was like, boom, the door opened. I was like, Oh, I grew up Catholic too. And then, and then I said, and then I told her my whole story. Yeah. And I was like, and then 
you know, I just recently, 15 minutes or less. I told her my story <laughs> and she was just kind of like, wow. And, and then I didn't know if that, if she, how she took it or whatever, but then later, like, I don't know how long, a month later, she reached out to me wow. and she said, Hey, like I, what you said on the set was like really powerful and I'm interested and, wow. and, um, and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, and so we kept trying to set up a time to meet uh, and it would always fall through. And I, we still haven't, we still haven't done that, but I sent her, I think I sent her a bunch of sermons and some stuff, but, um, but I, it was like, and I, I know she's wherever she is right now. I know she's still probably longing for the truth and she wants, she wants that, but it was just such a God moment of Mm -hmm. like being on the set and having this total quiet time with this person Mm -hmm. when, when there was so much chaos going around. Yeah. And and being able, I mean, that really brought up a thought to me about being able to be available to the working of the Holy spirit at a moment's notice, when you see that opportunity and grasping it and then, and not being afraid, knowing that God's going to take care of you. Cause you guys don't understand when we would do these things on set we are only as good as the last thing we did, right? So yeah, you might not ever get hired again when you do this. It's it's just as risky as anybody else doing it, except for there's no, we weren't in union jobs. We were in places that protected us. You would just never get called again. So we we were always just trusting God to do what only he could do. And well, I was always like freaking out and calling you. Well, <laughs> I'm like, Nick, pray for me right none now. Of, none of us out. were, just so you know, it's not like we're supermen, you know, none of us weren't freaking out, but the freaking out part would be turned to prayer. And that was the beautiful part is that we were like, well, even before the show today, we were so caught up in talking about everything that we were like, oh, we need to pray. That's yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are, so many and the frantic pace of it all in, in that you would be able to um, come before the Lord before you go to the show and ask him for, you know, favor and opportunity to talk to people and to create beauty in the things that you're doing, because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you're just trusting God that he's going to pull you through. And everything changes. Like I was doing a shoot. I was working with Old Navy for so many years. And there was this one time where we were going to do a shoot on location at this kind of like, it looked like a Moroccan village place, mm-hmm. like out somewhere an hour away out of LA. It was like, it was more like a Spanish kind of village building mm-hmm. stuff. It was like abandoned. Oh, wow. But Old Navy, two days before the shoot, they were like, oh, it, it's, there's like a 50% chance of rain. <laughs> and they're like, can you build this whole set in studio in two days? And I'm like, <laughs> sure, no problem. You always say sure, by the way. You always say, yeah, that's the rule of them. You just say yes, and then you freak out later. You always say yes, never say no. And, uh, and so that was, that was a harrowing thing, but. Uh, if I can tell the, the, a lot of people already know this. I think it's in my book, but the Annie story, because that yeah. was such a, that so, was just like a, so it was such a great, it's you know, beautiful. Done, and we you love know. you, Annie. Yes. And so, <laughs> so early on, this was like a year after I got saved, maybe, um, or maybe less than a year. I was on a shoot. It was for some magazine. I can't remember what magazine, but 
and the makeup artist came onto the set and she, we started chatting. She came up to me. We started chatting. Her name is Annie. And she, um, she's like, so, so, you know, she's just creating small talk on the set. She's like, what are you doing this summer? Do you have any plans for the summer? And I was like, actually, yeah, I'm going to London. And she's like, oh, for vacation? I said, no, I'm actually going with my church on a prayer tour. <laughs> What's a prayer tour? <laughs> like, we're basically, you know, we have a church in London, and we're just going to pray around the city and pray for the church. And she was so, like, freaked out by that. She's like, what? And, and, and then I told her my story. I told her everything, including the part about, you know, I used to be gay, and now I'm not anymore. I, I no longer live that life. And that really like blew her mind, like apparently, because I didn't know in the moment, but she told me later that really blew her mind. Um, hmm. And so I said, you know, why don't you come to church with me? And, and she was like, oh, I don't know. And she was kind of hemming and hawing. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, here's my number. Like, call me if you ever want to come to church. And so I think, I don't know when I heard from her, but maybe a month later, she contacted me. And was like, you know, would you want to get coffee or something? And I was like, sure, of course. And so we got coffee. I think I talked more about the gospel and my story. And and then I invited her to come. And then she finally agreed to come to church. She came to Reality LA. And, you know, she came for like a few weeks to a month. I remember meeting her the first Yeah, time. and she was kind of like, you know, not sure. Nothing yeah. was, it wasn't like my experience where I went to church the first time and like, <laughs> God, it's like, boom. Like, for her, it was like, more, it was a longer period of sort of, you know, the Holy Spirit yeah. working in her. And so then she, she went, then one night I said, I called her and I said, or I texted her, I said, hey, I'm going to community group like a small group mm -hmm. in Silver Lake, do you want to come with me? And she was like, uh, yeah, sure. So she, she came with me to the, our community group and she was so kind of blown away by the community group that, that people, we like, we were praying, we were reading the Bible, we were, you know, worshiping and, and Tim Chaddock was there. And so she was so kind of blown away that hmm. what, how she puts it is like that Christian, like, that we actually walked the walk, that we weren't just like Sunday Christians, right. that we actually right. were really serious about this. Yeah. And so the community group is, you know, goes on. And then we split up at the end where the guys mm -hmm. pray with guys, the girls like, pray with girls. And then, and then after the group ended, we, we got back into my car and I said, what did you think? And she said, Oh, I've made a commitment. And I'm like, Oh, to the group. <laughs> and she's like, no, to Jesus. And I'm like, what? And so that, that first, like that something clicked, like the Holy Spirit, like clicked everything that night in That's community so group. And then the next day, I mean, her whole life just changed radically. Like she was like weeping on the floor, like reading the Bible constantly obsessed with, you know, being at, she just couldn't get enough of, of, mm. of the Bible, Christians, church. Like she just loved it all. And mm. so that was such a gratifying experience because it's like, because yeah. it's hard, you know, you're like pulling teeth, but it's so great when God just like does that. And you're like, ah, oh, like that's amazing. And it's so encouraging yeah. to, it's so encouraging when someone comes to Christ that, you know, you've Absolutely. been able to witness to. 
Well, and you know that it's, I mean, the cool thing is, is that all we're doing is being obedient to the calling. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not, I don't even mean the calling. Like we're just, if you're truly evangelizing, you're just living your life for Jesus, right? You're, you're talking about him. You're living your life for him. You're interacting with people the way that he would. And that is very attractive to a world where people are looking for a reason why you want to hang out with them. What are you trying to get out of this? Yeah. Why are you just posing with this group of people so you can be seen with them or whatever it would be? Yeah. Well, one way to look at evangelism is it's like if you're a husband and you have a wife or kids, you know, you're going to talk about them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, on the YouTube at work, you're, I mean, people have pictures of their whole family at their desk all the time. So yeah. it's like, it's just like we're in a relationship with the King of the universe, Jesus. <laughs> and so of course we're going to talk about him because we're in this relationship yeah. and it's like, it's a huge, it's like the biggest part of our lives. So of course we're going to talk about that. Not only the biggest part of our lives, but the most beautiful thing in the world is yeah. our relationship with Jesus. And, and you know, the one thing we, that you said about um, Andy's experience with community that really hit me was when we're living out our lives together um, in community in that kind of a way, that is also so attractive yeah. because it's just not seen. It's not you. And we were created for community. Yeah. You know, because God in and of himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a community within themselves. God never. That was the sermon this past Sunday. Oh, yeah. Interesting. But, funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we were created for a community. So if that's why we created, why we were created, and if we're seeing Jesus for who he truly is, in 1 John, it talks about when we see him as he is, we will be like him. I just love that passage because. It just reminds me that when I am with Jesus, that when I spend that intimate time with him, and especially when we pass from this age to the next, when we see him, we will be as he is. Yeah. But the fact that he's that beautiful, that I just want to, just like you said, if your family or if you go to a great, if you go to a great restaurant or a great, you're going to come back. Yeah. yeah, Or a great film. You're going to come back and be like, you have to go to this place. You yeah. have to check this out. That's the thing. Is like I, I've always been an evangelist. Like that before I was a Christian. Like if I would see a great movie, you know, yeah. I'd be like, "You guys have to see this movie or this recipe." You're right. I was always very vocal about things like that, like things that I loved. And so, of course, <laughs> when I get saved, I'm like, "You guys have to know Jesus. Yeah. It's crazy." Yeah. And, you know, back to the, the whole idea of doing this in the workplace, like the fact, you know, like you said, Annie is, is extraordinary. Like that story is extraordinary. That doesn't always happen, but you know what? It doesn't mean that we should say, oh, well, that doesn't always happen. So, you know, that happened to Beckett, but I don't know if it'll happen to me. We should always have expectancy that the Holy Spirit's going to work in our lives and God's going to move through us. Not expectation, because expectation is like a setup for a downfall. Like you, when you have an expectation, you're creating these parameters in your mind of how things are going to happen. But when you have expectancy, you're just looking for God to do something and then walking in that. Yeah. And I think that's what we've been talking about all along, even in vocation, is that um, we are, 
when, when we're at best, at our best place in our lives as evangelists, all we're doing is inviting people into what we're already in. Right. Because it's so beautiful and it's so wonderful that we want them to know it. Yeah. And, you're, and we're, you know, we're planting seeds and, and there have been, you know, many people, I don't know, I, w- I would say I had definitely like a handful of people who for oh, that I, that, you know, I was very vocal about on the set and about mm-hmm. Jesus who have now started to come around mm-hmm. and people are reaching out to me, like people like in crisis. Years later. Years right? later. Yeah. So you never, and, and I, in fact, I got, uh, I got a, uh, a, a message, a text from someone who I used to work with a lot. And she, she's kind of like, yeah, I'm starting to see the, like, I'm starting to see why you're a Christian and, mm. and she's getting it and um, she's starting to get it. And it's like, I never imagined in a million years that this person in particular would ever see, reach yeah, out to yeah. me again about this. And, yeah. and so you never know, like when you're planting seeds, that's not, it's, it's the Holy Spirit's job to, to do the work yes. and convict and all that, but it's, we're just planting seeds absolutely, and, and watering, you know, waterings too. But, um, and so you, yeah, you know, the other thing is, is that, um, you know, some people that some of the, your viewers might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not outgoing like you. How, mm-hmm. how would I do this in the workplace? And, and once again, you know, you, a lot of the things that we do speak louder than the things that we say. I'm yeah. not saying we shouldn't talk to people about Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that if we're loving people well, and we are showing compassion on people. And even when people are railing against us, we're still loving them. And they know, they know in their heart that when they're railing against you, that what they're doing is wrong. Why are you still loving me? That is confusing to the world that we live in because that's not common. It just always reminds me of the Lamez, right? The silver candlesticks. Yeah. It's like, the candle off how, it, yeah. how, how could you give me that? When I deserve punishment, how can you love me when I deserve you to not be kind to me because I'm coming against you? You don't know, like this lady, how did you know that a few years later, she, you would never know she would contact you. Yeah. And I find a lot, and I I find that several people have reached out to me and just been like, just curious about my faith and, and, people from a long time ago. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. I'll tell one last story about uh, this Katy Perry shoot. I worked with Katy Perry. You probably did too. Like I, I actually worked, didn't. You didn't. Yeah. I worked with her a few times, but I was on this one shoot and I was, I used to be friends with her wardrobe guy, um, Johnny. I don't know. If you oh know yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but so I was on the set, we were shooting the stuff, for her album, uh, California Girl. California Girl. Remember that song? Good album. Um, it's Good a, album cover. Did you do it? I did the cover. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so we were working and, um, and Katie was getting upstairs, getting ready. And John, and Johnny, her wardrobe guy was down with me and this other assistant, uh, Katie's assistant. We were all standing by the swimming pool. Mm. And this was the first time I had seen Johnny since I got saved. And oh, I was wow. telling him, I was telling him <laughs> and the, the assistant person my whole story. <laughs> and Johnny is gay. So 
Um, so I was, but I just told them my whole story and they were just kind of like blown away and like, what? And, and meanwhile, I didn't realize this, but Katie Perry was li- listening to our whole conversation because she uh-huh. was just right upstairs. And she finally comes out uh, on the balcony. She's like, okay, guys, the Bible study's over. Let's get to work. <laughs> so that was hilarious. But do you have any other tales of, of no, Hollywood? Just, well, I have lots of tales. Um, but I really just want to encourage your viewers that what you do as a vocation, regardless of how it's perceived by um, our culture is important to God. He has you there for a specific reason, for a specific time. And even if it's something that you don't really like, there's some way he wants to use you in that context. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about like how much fun we had with different projects or even the challenges of them in like this place where we're doing creative, creative um, things, but some people don't um, get to do those kind of creative things that are in the spotlight, like working with people the way that we have. Um, and they might be thinking, well, I don't even relate to this at all. But I think that God, well, I know this, that God cares about you. He cares about where you're at. He cares about what you're doing and he cares about the way that you're doing it. So don't discount the fact that just because you have this specific job right now, that it's not important and what you're doing is not important. Everything in the kingdom of God is important for this specific time in your life to portray the beauty of Christ in everything that you do, in your relationships, in the excellence that you show, in the way that you love people, in the way that you carry yourself. All those things are important to God. He cares about you and he cares about the people that you're working for and the people that you're surrounding yourself with in that workplace. And I, I just want people to understand that, you know, they might look at us and think, well, yeah, you guys are working in Hollywood. Like that's so much different than we can't relate to that. But I just want you to know that what we were doing is not different than you were doing. It's just a different context. Yeah. You know? Well, I love that. Let's, Let's leave it at that. That's a good word. That's a good word. Well, thank you guys for watching and thank you, Nick, for being here. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you next time on the show, on the Becca Cope Show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinise Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.